Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, aloha, sasrikal, and hola. And you know what? We have a guest again, and it's Jeff that you heard from last week. We had such an excellent conversation. Like, wait, there's more stuff we need to talk about. So I brought him back. And Jeff is a transformative life coach at Mind Access Life Coaching. What we talked about last time is the importance of having a really strong and compelling and clear vision for your life and how that really becomes the basis or the foundation that lifts you out of apathy, that helps you to practice the kind of discipline that you need um, and other uh, aspects of, of your life to like really achieve the success that you want and to feel the sense of empowerment in your life that you want. And it got me thinking, Jeff, when we were talking last time, that one of the things that I know in my experience, this happened with me actually, uh, was that I actually developed a very clear and compelling life vision like i was like literally having dreams about 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 it and i saw a very clear like reality of like what i wanted like i could see it i could smell it i could touch it and feel it and i actually started doing what i could start moving towards making that dream come true for me and then something happened that you know sort of sort of full stop uh for a while on on my progress and my ability to move forward to my dream and that was fear i had like such intense fear grip me um and like all these insecurities that were underlying that fear that you know i was good enough i didn't know enough i didn't have enough money, knowledge, skills, etc. you name it, like all of these insecurities like turned into fear and it just kind of, you know, maybe just stop, stop at my tracks. Um, and until I was able to figure out how to move through that fear and deal with that fear, transform that fear eventually, thank God, um, I, I couldn't make any progress on living my vision. So what do you see in your experience um, in terms of when when people have maybe have a really clear vision but fear is still holding them back, what 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 do you do? Well I guess um, the first thing is to identify where that fear is coming from so if if you're afraid of something um, and fear is not a, a great feeling but, but it is a survival instinct for humans so in previous times you know if there's a threat that fear keeps you going so that you can survive but in the modern day there isn't really a lot of survival threat so that feeling of fear is then manifested based on past experiences on things which we have experienced and we're going to project into our future that's why I think the last time that we were speaking, we spoke about what fear is. And to me, fear is false evidence appearing real. Something that happened in the past, we project into the future and expect the same outcome. But if we have, as you were saying, 
grand plans, a vision that you want to work towards. And that's going to hold you back because you're going to expect that your past is going to replay itself in the future. Okay. So for me, the first thing that you'd have to do or anyone who's feeling any kind of fear or limitation is to recognize where does it come from, from what experience, from what memory, and work backwards from there. Oh, that's pretty cool and interesting. Um, why is it important to go back in the past? Why not just sort of stay focused in the present moment and just deal with it as it is in the present moment? Because unless you're able to view what has happened in a different light, rather than looking at it as something that holds you back, but rather as a learning experience, and you're going to keep repeating the same over and over and over again. Because, you know, unless you change your way of thinking, you're going to have the same outcome every single time. And that comes to a famous quote by Albert Einstein. And said, um, he says, you can never resolve a problem with the same level of thinking that created that problem. And it's the same for fear. If you keep looking at things in the same perspective, then you're never really going to overcome it. And that's that's a real struggle. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I definitely am 100% with you on, on that. We need to change our thinking. Um, and we cannot, just like Albert Einstein said, he was a genius. Uh, and I, I agree with him on this, that until you, you, you cannot solve the problem at the same level of thinking that you are at. Um, can you give me an example of, of like how looking back in your past to understand an issue can actually help you deal with it in the, in the present, like in terms of what you were talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess a big thing which I was afraid of for a long time, and I'm happy to be transparent about this, is that I was very afraid of putting myself into a public forum, into a public sphere. Um, and this manifested in terms of a fear of public speaking, um, in terms of a fear of literally just like, you know, standing out from the crowd. And I felt like this for a very, very When I was, now keep in mind, when I was young, this is the opposite you know when i was a young kid i used to love standing up in the crowd but over time i was kind of conditioned into a way of thinking that i shouldn't and a couple of years ago this came to a head especially when i needed to start taking charge of my life and putting myself in situations where i needed to stand up like for example in a workplace or if i was trying to gain some kind of momentum in terms of like social gatherings or something like that outside of work i realized that you know, trying to keep yourself in a corner really isn't the best strategy for life at all. And I couldn't get past the fear. Every time that I tried to do something like even something so simple as putting a post on Facebook, you know, that that would give me crippling anxiety a few years ago. And I was like, I, I can't live like this anymore. So I had to, I had to really put in some work and really think about where does this come from? Where does it really come from? And it comes from my schooling days. And it comes from my schooling days of how that happened and played out. And it made me think, okay, this is how I need to be for my whole life. But that's not a conscious thought. That's just a fear and you don't realize where it comes from. But then when you realize where it originates from, you realize, okay, well, that's what happened back then, but that does not determine my future. And you're compounding on again and again in that belief. And to me now, I'm very happy to speak in front of huge crowds, forums. In fact, I love it because it's what I originally loved, but I grew to become afraid of it because of past experiences. 
Yes. Yes, I see what you're saying. Um, and I think also another thing that can be very helpful in healing about looking in the past is just sort of being able to look at the past, what happened, but now from this present perspective, like being in the present moment, when you look back, hopefully, you know, if um, you know you can look at what happened in the past more objectivity, um, you know, and, and form like a new different perspective on what actually happened. Um, and, and that can also just change your relationship with what happened and therefore eliminate the fear actually because um, like okay so if I give an example from my life around that uh, I shared last time you know uh, with you that I'm a survivor of sexual abuse and so I developed like a lot of uh, like issues because of that but a lot of issues related to like shame and blame and guilt where it wasn't even outside people who were shaming, blaming and guilting me. Like I was shaming, blaming and guilting myself uh, for a long time because no, I didn't tell anyone else for years and years about what had happened. So they couldn't even do that. I was doing it to myself. And um, one of the things that helped me uh, it, you know so how it connects to fear is that because of all the shame and blame and guilt that I felt I developed deep fear around trusting other people and asking for help when I needed it because I was like oh no I, I don't know like if people actually know like the, about the darkness inside of me they will not be able to love me anymore. They will not be able to um, like me anymore. They won't want to help me anymore because I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy because that's how I thought about myself, you know? And so it created this intense fear of asking for help. And it wasn't until I sort of shifted my perspective on the very experience of abuse, I began to see it as, first of all, you know, that I like I had to understand that you know, what happened wasn't my fault, which was a um, hard lesson to learn. But then, you know, when, when I began to see what happened, the trauma that I went through as an opportunity for me to learn other even more amazing important lessons and to become an even better stronger person you know to like um it's like okay yes i went through what i went through but because of what i went through i'm now focused on learning about mental health you know like because i wanted to figure it out for myself like how can i help myself how can i stop my own suffering and so now, you know, that adversity actually became an opportunity and the motivation for me to learn something amazing, like how to take control of my mental health. And once I began to see 
my experience in the context of opportunities it was providing me for learning and growth rather than a tragedy or a trauma that I went through it actually also really helped to eliminate my fears that had cropped up around asking for help and so forth I was like oh this was another opportunity for me to learn how to ask for help and and improve myself even more so yeah that would be an example that I I I thought of yeah it's really it's really good when you can overcome it and look back because in the moment it is painful and does hurt and you know like that that's part of the journey right like you know it's not going to be you know roses and butterflies the whole way through but when you look back and then you realize that that hurt at that point in time translates to exponential growth in the future because you've invested in yourself in the past and imagine if you had not broken through that fear of not wanting to ask for help we wouldn't even be doing this podcast because you would be trying to do it all on your own right you wouldn't be collaborating and that's well that's evident right there so you've overcome that fear yeah and not only would i not be doing this podcast i wouldn't be doing much coaching training healing work either because you know when when you get like if you're a coach trainer healer you know it's one thing to have skills of coaching training and healing and it's another thing to actually be able to make money doing mm-hmm. that you love you know and uh, honestly like if you're going to have a real business like a, have your coaching training healing or whatever their practice that you have be a real source of sustainable income for you then you have to um, manage it like a real business and you cannot do business by yourself you cannot it, one of my business mentors he was like if you cannot take a one month holiday and still have your business making money while you're off taking a holiday um it's not a real business because you're just trading time for 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 dollars and you have actually just created a job for yourself <laughs> and you're actually probably your own worst boss because you're probably overworking and severely underpaying yourself <laughs> Uh, because you're trying to do way too much, uh, you know, and you're trying to do way more than anyone is actually able to handle in the context of having a successful, thriving business. Um, so you can't really, really have a real business on your own. You need a team to work with, which means you have to ask for help. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely i mean at the very beginning you work on your own and then once you get busy you start to outsource and once you outsource then you can get different team members in but at, at the be- i think it should be important to say though that at the beginning you do want to work on your own because then you can save capital and use that to grow a team but if you have a team at the beginning then that might not really work out too well because yeah. they might be underpaid or things like that so yeah you know in the big name you may not have a team that's like on your payroll but you still need a team like because like for example i remember this from my early days of when i started coaching trading healing i come up with a great idea for like a product or a service or some event that i want to do and then of course i need to spread the word about it right 
And so if all I'm depending on is me to spread the word about whatever it is I need to spread the word about, I don't get very far. Because I only know a relatively small number of people and not even all of those people are interested in what I have to offer in that particular uh, moment and context, you know. And so I have to be willing and able to ask for help from other people that I know and be like, hey, can you help me spread the word? <laughs> you know, and so these people are not on my payroll but you know i need their help nonetheless to help me start spreading more yeah for sure it's um well that that that's more of just like friendship you know or like um having close connections that you can share out your business to or share out your idea to um and i guess that's like a team in sense but also like they're just your friends and family too so like it's just word of mouth in that sense right right but as i'm using the word team in this context in a loose broad sense i i think mm. our, our friends and family are definitely a part of my team like the way i think about my team because you know i mean take an take something like how my family is a part of my team even though they're not participating in my business and the way that i run my business fact that my family is there to help me and support me in so many ways mentally emotionally spiritually like my mom she makes delicious meals for me and i don't have to worry about you know like what i'm going to eat for dinner because i know my mom's making a delicious dinner and you know so the time that i save from not having to make my own dinner I can invest that in doing more work to move my business forward, you know? And so even though my mom's not part of my business team, she's nonetheless part of my wider support team that's allowing me to actually do the work that I do and do it much better than I would be able to do if my family and my friends weren't a part of this broader team that they have around me. Oh yeah, I definitely understand that. You're right. It does. It it makes such a difference if you don't have to prepare your own meals, or if you don't have to do your own laundry and things like that. Like I live on my own, so like I still do. So like that's extra for me. But I think that like, if you don't have to do that, that's I'd appreciate that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like one of the great blessings in my life. I know a lot of other coaches, trainers, and healers who started their practices. And unfortunately, couldn't keep going because they didn't have the same level of support that I do with my family and friends. Um, you know, I actually still live at home with my parents and my brother and sister. I'm not married. I don't have, you know, kids and so forth. So my family is my parents and my siblings, and um, I, I experience it as a great blessing to be still living with my family because. You know, like mm-hmm. actually during my early days as a coach, trainer, healer, when I didn't have a lot of money, I didn't have a lot of clients. Like if I wasn't living at home, I don't know if I would have been able to sustain. Um, you were doing this work that was giving me little to no money. You know, it took me like one, two, three years actually to to get to the point where I was like, ah, 
yes, I'm, I can actually sustain myself <laughs> with the work that I'm doing. Um, so in the meantime, I, I, it was such a blessing for me to, to have this amazing support um, and, uh, you know, family and, you know, this team in this broader sense in my life because it really allowed me to keep going. Yeah, I think you're very fortunate. That's great. That's great. It means that um, you're able to invest your mental um, and physical resources towards what you really wish to do with your time. Because had that, like not having to do a whole bunch of like life admin and things like that, that opens up your availability to invest in learning or invest in your business or whatever it is you would like to do that gives you a greater platform, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. So in your situation, what, what do you have any tips, tricks, techniques to share with other coaches, trainers, learners, et cetera, who are listening to us, who might be in, 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 uh, you know, in more uh, of a position like you are in where you're, you're living by yourself and so you do have to manage more things on your own. What are some things you do to, to manage and manage all of that and and um, sort of create a good balance between you know your work and not work work well the key thing is um i'm i'm pretty effective with my time so like i don't just do things to like just for the sake of it you know like um like i'm i'm pretty effective so if i need to do my housework or my cooking or whatever I do it like in one go rather than like continuously, you know? And if you take that apart, when I look at my work day, I, I work like good, like 12 hours a day. And that's completely fine because I have a lot of things I do, but the key is to incorporate exercise into your day. So you're going to exercise for at least two hours, regardless. Right. doesn't matter what it is, two hours for me. Right. And exercise. then, yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I do two hours of meditation. But I only do <laughs> half an hour of exercise. <laughs> well, exercise is meditation. That's true. It, can, it, can. it is because um, when you're exercising, you can't. Yeah, you can't really be doing anything else, right? Because you're you're busy, right? And I like that. Well, I don't know about that one because how many times, you know, like for example are we doing exercise but our mind is not actually relaxed um you know because you're busy thinking about just the other day i was doing a walking practice and one aspect of the the like i was doing walking for exercise but you know the thing was that i came back feeling like physically like okay my heart rate was uh up and I got some, you know, like good stretching and, and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, that particular day, I had things on my mind. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I there was something that I was worrying and stressing about. And those thoughts just kept going round and round in my head. And I wasn't able to mentally and emotionally relax um, in the walking. And so even though physically I felt some benefits from walking mentally and emotionally that time, walking was not a very meditative experience for me. And I actually had to come back home and do one of my ritual forms of meditation to like really whew, 
finally calmed my mind down and then I felt so much better. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I, it depends on how hard you, you exercise as well. Like, um, like walking is great, but I find that walking really makes me think as well. And sometimes like thinking so much, I'm just like, okay, I have to start running now because <laughs> otherwise my brain is just going to go overdrive. So if you start running hard, then you can't really think. You can just focus on getting to your checkpoint, your next checkpoint or whatever. And um, when the gyms are open, I'm at the gym doing the same. So there's always different checkpoints. So your mind isn't in overdrive if you are physically straining yourself. And then once you finish that, your mind is very relaxed. Yeah. So, but at the same time, if you do a very light exercise, then your mind goes into overdrive because it's what it's a balance, right? If yeah. your body's busy, your mind can't be. But if your mind is, then your body isn't busy. So they they work in tandem like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely hear you, and I agree with you about the level of challenge. It has to be the right level of challenge. No matter what kind of activity you're doing, if you're at an optimal sort of level of challenge, it will naturally keep your mind focused on working on whatever that point of challenge is. That's an excellent point. Um, and then you said something about, what was the last thing you said? About how your brain and mind works in tandem. Um, can you repeat that? That you just said something and I felt like it was really important, but I missed it. Yeah, it's um what I'm saying is that the when your body is physic in physical exertion mode, right? Yeah. Your mind can't be because your mind is focused upon maintaining your physical exertion. Like say for example, if I say, Okay, I'm going to run a kilometer, <laughs> then my mind is entirely focused upon this because if I'm not that fit, then it's gonna be hard for me to run a kilometer. And likewise, if your mind is busy, like say, for example, if you're busy on your computer doing something or doing a task for your business, like right now in this podcast, my mind is engaged. Yeah. Therefore, I'm just sitting and I'm focusing upon this. So you, you can't have too many focuses at once. Like you can't run a kilometer at full speed and also be thinking about a million things. It just it doesn't really work that way. You know, you yeah. can only have so much mental direction or mental energy rather. Right. No, I agree with you. Our, our our mind's capacity to focus is is actually limited, and that makes me think about multitasking. What are your thoughts about multitasking? Multitasking is a great way to get very little done across a whole bunch of things. Um, so I used to be a project manager. Um, and I used to basically have a whole bunch of things to do every single day. There was so many different things, so many different um, emergencies, different, just all kinds of different things from many different people. And oftentimes you have to multitask because everything is urgent, right? If you're in projects, everything is urgent. Yeah. And I found that, sorry. I said it. Yeah, it does. Like get, that. Yeah, everything is urgent because everyone needs it now. So if you're working on many different things, you have like an objective you need to do for the day. And oftentimes you never reach an objective. Like say if I needed to get this amount of documents approved, it just wouldn't happen because everything is urgent at the time. And therefore multitasking is a great way to get nowhere. But if I didn't have all these emergencies popping up and I could just focus on what I needed to do, then my objective would be complete. And I find that singular focus is very powerful over multitasking because your brain loses energy towards what it needs to focus upon. Yes, I I so agree with you. I am no fan of multitasking. I don't think it works. 
I think it just it's like a big illusion. Um, it is experience in the sense that we think we're doing a lot. We feel like we're staying busy and being productive, but actually, there's a lot of research that shows it seriously uh, compromises your productivity. Um, and there's so many like different little experiments that you can do for yourself and see. Like, I remember one of the experiments is um, like if you have um, like one of the experiments they, that, that you are given like two different things to write. So one is like a sequence of letters. It, like it could be a sentence or something and the second thing is like a sequence of numbers so um, now the question is if you're writing and you have to write both the, the, the sentence and letters and the sequence of numbers and basically you need to in the end have it be in a certain pattern um, then how can you most effectively and efficiently execute? So should you keep switching back and forth between number, letter, number, letter, number, letter? Or do you just stick first to only doing the numbers or only doing the letters and then moving to the next thing? So in the second scenario where you just focus on one thing, one pattern at a time, that's like a single point of focus. And if you, in the first scenario where you try to move between number, pattern, number, pattern, alternate, that's sort of like you're trying, your brain trying to multitask. Um, and it's a very simple experiment, but it very, very clearly like shows like the time difference, but if, you know, between the first strategy and the second strategy of how quickly people are able to finish the task and how um, how effectively they're able to finish it in terms of making the least number of errors. The results are stunning. Um, it takes way longer to switching between the two patterns and you make way more mistakes. So um, there's lots of other examples also, but that's one of the examples that came to mind yeah well it makes complete sense because um in the same way in which i used to do that in project management and my brain used to have to switch between so many different things because we were doing um like trials and um we were doing clinical trials so this is basically doing uh testing different treatments on different patients and there's so much happening at once you know especially in healthcare there's so much happening but i find that especially like learning from that experience though, like when i work for myself now I only ever singularly focus upon one task. I don't multitask. Yes, talk about make a tip, an excellent tip for making change fun and easy. It's like don't multitask, and you know, in so far as you have the power and the ability to create your own culture and environment for how you work, uh, create a culture and environment where you're able to focus on one task at a time and don't multitask yeah well i mean it's 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 great to not multitask but i think for a lot of jobs um 
people don't really have that opportunity, especially when you have things popping up all over the time. You know, you just you can't be helped. I know, I know, and that's actually another one of those things. Like you know, last time we were talking about how our society actually, unfortunately, has some really uncorrect, unwise ideas about what success is and how to achieve success. And I feel like this is one of those issues also with the work culture in most places, in most environments, most companies and offices. Um, and even not only in in a professional context, but for a lot of people in the in the way that we have our life, personal life set up. Also, you know, we we have a built-in culture where multitasking is the norm, and it's even seen as like this really amazing superpower. And you know. Uh, it's like yes learn to multitask and do it even more and better and um, I, I think it's just you know because not uh, I mean you know just not having this information that not having access to this learning education that you and I have been able to tap into um, where you know, we've seen the research of how multitasking doesn't actually work it's not actually the most effective thing you can do and we've given it a try and tried the other way and found <laughs> found it to be true so there's a, yeah i agree with you like if you're stuck in a culture that doesn't support um focused action then you know you do the best you can in, with what you have well, I think that's the difference between working a job and working for yourself. Is working for yourself, you can choose how you do it. Working a job, you don't. Working a job, it's um, it's a role, and you've got to complete your task, your deadlines, and that's um, that's where the difference comes in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like um, maybe motivation for anyone who wants to start their own, start their own, um, their own business. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right, so thank you so much, Jeff, for coming back and talking with me uh, again today and talking, sharing your amazing advice and wisdom and perspective with us. I'm so grateful. And um, hey, everyone, yes, please, if there's, I think, one lesson that you can take away, well, there's many amazing lessons you can take away from today, but one of them is focus as much as you can focus on one task at a time maybe if you have a life compelling life vision already focus on that right don't do a million different things in your life focus on doing what you can to live in integrity with your life mission and vision and if that's something that you find yourself struggling with hey that's here to help you i'm here to help you so please feel free to connect with us um, we will put our links in the chat below. So do connect with us and we'll look forward to seeing you again. Take good care. Thanks, Samia. It was great being on today. Thank you, Jeff.